It is a great joy to be here. And Mrs. Scudder, thank you so much for that offertory. Wow, that was... I couldn't see. I didn't know if that was you. And I couldn't see. I don't know why I didn't look at that one there. And uh, Pastor John said, yeah, that's that's Jim's mother. <laughs> so, so that was beautiful. Thank you. And it's such an honor and a joy to be here again. Um, I... I'm a little nervous each time I come. I'm, I'm afraid that maybe Brother Stringer won't invite me back to teach in the school. And uh, so I, I study real hard. So I, I tell him I have some new subjects. Maybe you could use me with that. I always look for an excuse to be able to come here. Uh, I don't need an excuse to come during the Grace Conference because that is awesome time. And this last year was tremendous. And I have several of my friends that I will be bringing next year uh, to the Grace Conference. And uh, what a joy it is. And all the hard work, uh, I didn't have a chance to thank you. But I, I do say thank you, church, for all that you do, not just for the Grace Conference, but for being faithful members of this church and allowing your pastor and the staff, um, to implement the vision that God has given them. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So every pastor, every leader must be a visionary because that pastor or that leader, God has called them into the ministry and reveals to them through a burden, through a desire, uh, through their prayer life, reveals things of what God wants them to do uh, in their ministry and in their lives. And no doubt, the uh, this church has had two pastors that were definitely, that are, that were and are definitely visionaries. And I thank you for that. Also, church, let me say thank you Recently, uh, we were able to print uh, a brand new translation of the Swahili John and Romans. And you folks participated in that in a great way. And I appreciate it, appreciate that. This is the finished product. It is 128 pages of John and Romans, bilingual English Swahili with a gospel track in the back of it. And we printed 150,000 of these. They are in Nairobi right now and hoping to be released uh, to head up uh, two or three hours north of there to Nakuru. And then they will start to be distributed to the churches and to the pastors. And I deeply, deeply appreciate you folks and what you've done. A brand new translation uh, has just been finished of the John and Romans in the Bukusu language. The Bukusu language is one of the tribal languages of Africa, of Kenya, Africa. There is no Bible in that language. When the pastors preach, they speak Swahili or they read the Swahili Bible and they verbally translate it as they're preaching to the congregation because there is no Bible translated in that language. 
And so we have just finished, just received the John and Romans of the Bukusu. Now, when we printed this for Kenya, uh, there was a tremendous cost, not so much the cost of printing this book, but at present, our import tax and shipping and container is over $16,000 from the U.S. to Kenya. That's a lot of money, a lot of money. And I haven't received the final bill on it yet. And so we're hoping, uh, I was searching and asking the translators, those in Kenya, to find a place in Nairobi where we could print the scriptures and avoid all of those import taxes and shipping and delays, all of the delays that goes with it. So they've been searching. The other day in one of the churches in Cincinnati, uh, I have a friend by the name of Josiah. Josiah is Kenyan, and he married an English uh, American lady, and they go to one of the churches. And I was in the church, and I, I said, hey, Josiah, it's good to see you. I forgot what country Josiah was from. I said, I just saw you on Facebook. You took your whole family to Kenya. That's your home country, isn't it? He said, yes, that's my, that's my home country. I said, I followed you on your trip. He said, Brother Zainer, now I know what you go through when you travel around the world. He said, now I know why you don't take your whole family with you because, man, it was a job taking the whole family uh, through to Kenya and all over the places. And he said, I was just talking to my brother, Josiah said, about you. I said, what about? He said, my brother is a publisher in Kenya. No way. A publisher. Yeah. Where would he live? Nairobi. Oh, Josiah. That's exactly what we've been looking for. And I said, uh, let's get in touch with him. And uh, once we get the Bukusu formatted, he said, what language? I said, the Bukusu. That's one of my languages. <laughs> the Bukusu. So glory to God. God just seems to open all of these doors and uh, he closes some doors, and we walk through them as he opens them. And up to this point, God has never, ever failed us in what we've needed. Not one time. We've always had the money. We've always had the health to be able to travel. We've always, God has opened every single door because this is his work. And we have, all we have said God, here am I, send me. I make myself available. If that's, if that's what you want, if you can use me, I make myself available to you. Now, I am not a linguist. I am not an expert, as you probably already know, in the English language. And please, please don't make any notes and bring it to me later of the errors that I make. Please don't do that. You'll hurt my feelings if you do that. I'm not, uh, I probably do better in Spanish than I do in English. Uh, I feel like I do better in Spanish than I do English. Uh, I'm more comfortable preaching in Spanish than in English. Uh, but when God called me into this 
work. When God called Connie and I into this work, I said, God, why me? I mean, I see a lot of other guys that are far smarter and more capable, not more good looking than me, but, but more capable than me. Why, why wouldn't you call them to do this type of work? And I felt, I'm not comparing myself to Moses, but I'm comparing myself to the excuses that Moses used. And those were the excuses that I was giving to God. And God said, this is what I want you to do. And I will supply all that you need. And God has given me some wonderful co-workers that are experts in Greek and Hebrew. Uh, Brother Jim Taylor, I will be with him in November in South Korea. Brother Taylor is uh, a translator, has translated the whole Korean Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation. So if anybody, no one would argue with him on uh, issues or questions or comments that he would give about translation work. And so God has always done that. Now, I, I suppose I don't have to prove that to you because all you have to do is look around and see the same scenario, how that God has supplied for you and how he has supplied everything that you need to do the work. Students that you've come from foreign countries, God has given you a wonderful place where you could study and prepare your life and take that information and go back to your home country or go to some other country as a foreign missionary and reveal to them what's in your heart. The easiest thing to do is to reveal God's simple plan of salvation. Because if you are born again, then you should be able to tell anybody how to be saved. You just tell them what happened to you. Amen? So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, Brother Scudder, thank you for allowing me to come. I know that he's not here, but he, I don't know why he'd want to listen, but he might listen just to make sure that I don't do anything wrong. And so, but thank you so very much for allowing me to be here. Tonight, I want to challenge you just for a few moments on the subject of the Bible. What is this book that we call the Bible? What is it? Now, if you're a faithful member of the church and you attend regularly, uh, you, you probably already have your own def definition and, and probably a pretty good definition of what this book is, the Bible. But we're living in a different society today. I have four children. They're all married. And I have uh, 13 grandchildren. And two of them are married. And so I listen to my grandchildren. I watch them. And I fear for them. I fear for the knowledge, the, sometimes the lack of knowledge that they have. And I always try uh, to, to instill in them more knowledge of the Bible. Now, I'm not always around them, but I always try to do that. Uh, 
And they, they'll always text me with Bible questions. I got a text today. Dad, Dad, what is the verse of Scripture? I know it's in the Bible somewhere. It has to be in the Bible somewhere. I know that it's there, that there's people in heaven, and they can see everything that we're doing here on this earth. Well, I don't know, honey. I never read that verse. <laughs> you had to have read that verse. It's got to be there. I heard that it's there. Well, honey, it, when you find it, let me know, because I haven't read it. <laughs> I don't know where it's at. When we get to heaven, we'll find out if we know everything that's going on here. I don't know. God doesn't reveal that to us. There's some things for a reason that he doesn't reveal. So the Bible, what is the book that we call the Bible? It is the greatest treasure given to mankind. Without a doubt, it is the greatest treasure. We find in the Bible everything that man needs to know about life and death, heaven and hell, law and grace, time and eternity. We find the wisdom of God that man can freely expend. It is the ultimate map to pilot us through the perils and joys of life. It is milk that nourishes us. It is honey that sweetens us. Oftentimes, Connie reminds me of that and says, Honey, you need a little bit more Bible to get a little bit more sweeter. You're right, honey. It is a hammer to shape us. It is a light that guides us. It is gold to enrich us. It is fire that will refine us. Why do the publishers... Why do the world publishers like the Bible so much? Well, it's because it's the bestseller. <laughs> it is the most read than any other book on the face of the earth. It is the most printed book ever. Over 8 billion Bibles have been printed. The Quran has had only 800 million printed while the Book of Mormon, only 190 million have been printed. With the 7,000 plus languages on the face of the earth, and only 400 of them have a whole Bible, and around a 1,000 more have a New Testament, about 2,800 others have bits and pieces, some being a work in progress. But the real heart wrenching fact is that over 2,800 languages have no part of the Word of God translated into their language. Things started to change in the world with the invention of the Gutenberg Press. Before that, uh, if you were to have a book, it had to be handwritten or penned. And the invention of the Gutenberg Press by Johannes Gutenberg uh, made a movable type ink letters pressed on a piece of paper. It could produce about 250 sheets of, of, of paper per hour. This method allowed books to be mass produced and accurately and quickly before, before this method, uh, generally the books were only 
owned by the upper class. For the first time, the middle class could access books. This increased the literacy and the education of the public. Now all levels of society had access to the written page. In one day, in one day, today, our modern equipment, a big web press can print, this is uh, what we call signatures. And a big web press with the big rolls of paper on the end of it as it goes through that press and it comes out the other end, a complete book, 180 pages. And then the cover is printed and it's assembled to this. And they cut the three sides at the same time they put the the uh, cover on it. That can produce... That web press can produce 150,000 complete John and Romans every day. One day. 150,000 of them. That seems like a lot, doesn't it? Well, it's, it's really a lot when you fill it up in a container and there's boxes after boxes after boxes and you fill into that, into that container. But when we look at the population of the world, over 8 billion people, and we look at the 2,800 languages that have nothing, and we look at the requests that constantly, constantly come in, today, my phone rang. There's a man from Alaska who was a missionary in Mawali years ago. He said one of his national pastors called him and said, Pastor, our translation is a disaster. We need a new translation in our language, but I have absolutely no idea where to start. Can you help us? Well, Brother Dave is a good friend of mine, and he knows what we do. So the first thing that he did was picked up his phone and called me. Brother Steve, what do we do? (laughs) He didn't know what to do. Well, that's where God has given us vision. And he's given us vision. And he's helped us to establish the curriculum and the methodology and all that we need to train nationals who, and I hope you get this, who already speak that target language. It's not a new missionary that has to go and learn the language. This man already speaks the language. And we assemble a team together, and with that team, we train them, we teach them, we walk them through that process, and before long, they have the John and Roman done, and then they have the New Testament done. This one, the John and Roman here, they're almost finished with the New Testament, and it won't be long. Hello, Pastor Scudder. Thank you for taking my call. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine, Brother Steve. It's good to hear your voice. Well, it's good to hear your voice too, Pastor Scudder. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Scudder says to me, what can I help you with? Well, I only need about $60,000. <laughs> Could you help? <laughs> and sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. But it doesn't matter. God always supplies. And uh, he'll supply somehow, some way, and it comes about. The Gutenberg Bible 
1455, printed there in Germany. On that press, that Gutenberg press, the first book, the first book was printed on there was a Bible, God's Word. Interesting facts about the Gutenberg Bible. It was the first book printed in the world. Uh, I, let me rephrase that. It wasn't the first book printed in the world. The Chinese and the Koreans were pressing ink onto paper centuries ago. But no doubt the printing of the, uh, the printing of the Gutenberg Bible ushered in the beginning of the expansion of God's word to the ends of the earth. Johannes Gutenberg had no financial gain from the invention. Now that is almost impossible to believe. But he was sued. There were all kinds of issues, but he had no gain from it. He only printed 180 Bibles on that press. Have any of you been to the Bible Museum in Washington? Anybody? If you go, when you go, or if you go, on one of the floors, you will find a replica of the Gutenberg Press. And there'll be somebody there making sheets of the Bible on it. Very interesting to watch and to see that. And so, only 180 Bibles. There are several different variations of the Gutenberg Bible because some were printed on paper, some were printed on parchment, and others on calfskin. Out of the 180 copies that were printed, only 49 survive today. Less than half of them are complete. A complete volume of the Gutenberg Bible would sell for excess of $35 million. I asked Brother Brown the other day, because he has a collection of Bibles. I said, how much money do you have saved to buy those Gutenberg Bibles? He said, I wish, I wish. People were willing to die for the Bible. Tyndale died for the Bible. What would you do for the Bible? I don't know. Sometimes we have lost respect for the Bible. We have so many Bibles in our homes. I don't know how many Bibles you have. I have a ton of Bibles in English, and I have a ton of Bibles in Spanish. And then I have a ton of Bibles in all these different translations that we're doing around the world. But I'm afraid that maybe in our country and in certain places where there is tremendous prosperity that we lose the value of the Holy Scriptures. Traveling to Haiti, the Haitians love the book of Psalms. They literally love the book of Psalms. They love reading the Psalms because they live in a country of tremendous poverty, tremendous persecution, tremendous insecurity, Danger at every corner, and yet, with a little light in their home, they'll get their Bible out and read the book of Psalms that brings them great hope and great peace and great comfort. When was the last time that you and I needed great hope, great comfort, and great peace? Just a few days ago, our dear friend, Jim Hoffman, 
the director of Bearing Precious Seed in Oshkosh uh, had a tragic accident, fell off of his roof, lasted a few days, and passed into eternity. Oh, our hearts were broken. Our hearts were broken for Monica, his wife, Jim, a faithful servant. And uh, we found great peace and comfort in reading the scriptures. And I'm sure that at a funeral, at, when you have a loved one that passes away, you find great comfort and consolation from the word of God when it is read. But I think it's something that we're to read every day of our lives. Every day of our lives, we need its help. The Bible has had its critics. Voltaire, and I, you, I'm sure that you've heard this story, and if you have or if you haven't, it, it merits repeating. Voltaire was a philosopher, an historian, and a free thinker. He came, he became most influential and prolific writer during what has been called the Age of Enlightenment. He was born in 1694. In 1764, he wrote, the Bible, that is what fools have written, what imbeciles commend, what rogues teach, and young children are made to learn by heart. That's what he said about the Bible. He said, we are living in the twilight of Christianity. It'll not be long. Christianity will be gone. He thought it was ridiculous. The story is told, and it has been well documented. He said, he predicted in 1776, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible on earth except one that is looked upon in the libraries. Within 50 years after his death, in an ironic twist of providence, the very house in which he once lived and wrote was used by the Evangelical Society of Geneva as a storehouse for Bibles and gospel tracts. And the printing presses that he used to print his literature was used to print Bibles. <laughs> Don't tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor. All the futility of man to try to destroy God's word. God, the creator of all things, how could we tell him what to do? How could we manipulate God when he is the creator of everything? In Deuteronomy 4.4, 4, the Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now that's the second time we find those words. The first time we find it in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. God said every single word is important. George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without the Bible. 
Andrew Jackson said, that, that book, sir, is the rock on which our republic rests. William McKinley said, the more profoundly we study this wonderful book, the better citizens we will become. Amen. <laughs> I think we need our book today. Robert E. Lee said, the Bible is a book in comparison with which all others in my eyes are of minor importance and in which in all my perplexities and distresses has never failed to give me light and strength. Daniel Webster, I believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the will and the word of God. Benjamin Franklin, young men, my advice to you is that you cultivate an acquaintance with and a firm belief in the Holy Scriptures. Patrick Henry, this is a book worth more than all of the others that were ever printed. The Bible, God's word, scripture that gives us great peace and great comfort. Now, the Bible has a purpose. I, I'm afraid that there are some that do not realize that the Bible has a purpose. The Bible says in 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 the beginning, uh, in the beginning, God. The Bible doesn't tell us where God came from. It just says, in the beginning, it's God. In John 1, 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. So the Bible states the fact that God is and is creator of all things, that nothing exists without Him. If that be true, and I know it to be true, that our whole lives ought to center around the word of God. But I must ask myself the question, what does my life center around today? What is it centered around? So God's word has a purpose. Second Timothy chapter three and verse 15. And that from a young, from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, the Bible which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we know that the Bible, because God's word is truth, the Bible says that the Bible is able to make us wise unto salvation. What is it that the missionaries carry to the foreign field? They carry their Bibles with them. What does the preacher bring to the pulpit? The Bible. What does he preach out of? He preaches out of the Bible. What do we read in our homes? We read the Bible because there's a purpose in that. It makes us wise unto salvation. All scripture in verse 16 is given by inspiration of God and is profitable What's the purpose of the scripture? It is profitable. It's something of great value. It's a great treasure. It's something that we're to search after. It's something that we're to find and possess and guard because it is so valuable. It is profitable for doctrine. 
How will we know what to believe? We find it in the scripture. For reproof, it corrects us. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. How would we know how to live in a righteous, in righteousness without God's word? That the man of God, verse 17, may be perfect, thoroughly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So when you look at me, you ought to see a person that's thoroughly furnished with the word of God, with good works, with kindness and peace and tranquility and comfort and the power of God. That's how we're to look at one another. That's what the word of God does for us. That's the purpose of God's word. In Acts 20, 32, he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Two things there. The word of God will build you up. It will give you strength and knowledge and wisdom and discernment of how to do the ministry or how to live your life, how to walk, how to discipline your children, how to love your children, how to care for your uh, your children, how to disciple your children. And he gives us an inheritance. What is that inheritance? Well, we think and believe me, life goes by really, really, really fast. Young people, those that are in college, it just seems like a few years ago I was sitting in Bible class and taking the classes. And then my life now is like in segments here, waiting for the next trip overseas to the other and, and preparing for that. And I finish that and then there's another one. It just seems to fly by so fast. And so my perspective, the purpose of the Bible is to make sure that I'm thinking the right way and my life is, is in the right position to serve him. It builds us up. It gives us an inheritance. The Bible says it is truth and it effect, effectively worketh also in you that believe. It is working us. Don't think that the word of God will not work for you. It does. It effectively works in your life as you read it and digest it. The Bible in its position, it is to be held high. You remember, I don't know, I I guess maybe in some of the old television uh, stories, when they go to court, they'd have a Bible there. And you'd have to put your hand on the Bible. Uh, do you swear to tell the truth? Nothing but the truth. So help you, God. And and there was a reason for that because, I mean, here you got a murderer and a crook and a thief, and he's swearing on the Bible. But but they had him over a barrel because they 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 felt that he believed in superstition, and he better not do anything against the Bible because he might really get in trouble. Nowadays, you probably can't even find a Bible in a courthouse. And so there was the right position 
at one time. So I ask you, does the Bible have the right position in your life? Does it have a priority in your life? Is, is it a place where you read it and you love it and you cherish it? He said, all thy commandments are faithful. Everything that we read in it is faithful. Thy word is a lamp and a light unto my path. It will guide me. It will direct my path. Uh, thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. I'm afraid that people don't fear the Bible today like they should. We should fear the Bible if we don't obey the Bible. We don't have to fear the Bible if we obey the Bible. He said in Psalm 138, 2, For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's the position that God put his words. That's how we're to look at God's word. And then the last thing, the Bible and its promises. Oh, there's multiple promises all through the Bible. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands of promises that God has given to the children of Israel, given to us, and we thank God for all of those. But let me finish here just reading of this promise, and I think it'll be a joy to your heart. John chapter 14. Verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Bible, its purpose to show us how to live and how to die. It's position to be respected and feared. It's promise a home in heaven. Father, I thank you for this church, for these sweet people. Thank you for their testimony. Thank you for what they are doing for you. I pray that you would supply for them. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray, God, that you would protect them, protect these ministries. 
may Satan's power and hand be hindered. Lord, may the church members and those who are involved flee from sin and embrace you and embrace your word and love you and serve you. So God help us and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.